Uh, I really feel like the Lord wants to release some of the things that happened up there tonight. And so I'm going to speak kind of a message that I would say was the core, at least from my perspective, of what the Lord was speaking to and uh, just release the grace, speak to the same thing of what we believe he's doing in our community. Because, you know, I think Whitney Miller was praying in pre-service prayer that we're a body. So what God does in one part of the body it will affect the whole body. So uh, it's not about um, being jealous or missing out. It's about what God's doing in this family. So uh, if you open your Bibles, you can go to the very first page, Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to preach a message tonight about something that's very uh, it's very paramount right now in, in my own life, in my walk, and it's on uh, creativity and consumption. And so uh, for those that were at the retreat... You're getting like round two, 2.0. Uh, so this is the creation account, and uh, the first 27 chapter, or 25 verses of Genesis 1 are dealing with God creating the earth. He's speaking, he's creating the animals, the sea, the ocean, the land, so on and so forth. Uh, And then it comes to uh, verse 26, and it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And there's been a lot of, you know, theological study, debate, uh, you know, just trying to figure out what does it mean to be made in the likeness of God. Has anybody wondered that themselves? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) whoa, I'm made like God. Right? And, and we can search the scriptures and Christian history and all these things to, you know, try to, and I think always find more revelation of what it means to be made in the likeness of God. Um, but if you were to just read Genesis and in the context of this narrative, uh, it's very clear what it's referring to when it says we were made in the image of God. Because at this point, we don't know very many things about God, right? There's only 25 verses before this one. And the things that we know about God in these first 25 verses is that he's a creator and that he's good, right? So I would say fundamentally what this scripture is referring to in in the most essential sense is that creativity is what makes us most godlike, right? The human creativity, this ability to create, that we are little creators is that we're created in his image, He's the creator. He creates good things. And in the same way, we are creators made to create good things in the earth. Who's excited? So we have a creative calling. If you scroll down just a few verses lower, it says in verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. Right, So God creates this beautiful, raw, uncultivated planet that we call earth and that we call home, right? And he makes this garden called Eden. He puts uh, Adam and Eve there, and then he gives them this blessing. He, he commissions them into this creative calling. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the whole earth, right? And so God created the earth, but he hasn't finished it yet. He's still creating the earth, right? God knows the end from the beginning. What is the end? It's a new Jerusalem. It's a city called Jerusalem, right? So he puts 
this humans in this garden on this raw, uncultivated planet says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the whole earth because we're not going to just end in a garden. We're going to end in a city. What is a city? It's a hub of human culture. Right? We create laws, we create real estate, buildings, families, homes, uh, aqueducts, river, water gets to us. Like, think of all the things the daycare, the school systems, the education. Like, we can go on and on and on of all the human creations that are woven into creating a city. Right? Like, how much stuff goes into a city? Like, you look at New York, you're like, oh my gosh. I still don't even understand how they have sewage plants that are big enough to process all the you-know-what, right? There's just a lot of toilets in New York City, okay? There's a lot of creations that have to happen for a city to work, right? So God created the earth, but he didn't finish it in Genesis. He then, out of his goodness, creates us in his likeness, these creators that are made to operate and create out of dependence on God. And he's got this plan from the beginning for us to create the world together from that point on. This is amazing. This is our calling. This is what makes us like him. right? And the big hiccup in this beautiful plan is sin. Right? The serpent comes in, pulls them out of dependence upon this creator, convinces them he's not good. They take this sin, and our creative ability gets perverted with self, gets perverted with independence, and we become these autonomous humans that start creating things disconnected from the wisdom and the goodness of the creator. So what results is a world of chaos, disorder, brokenness. Right? There's no governing agency. It's just independence and pride and disorder, right? It's what hell creates. Does this make sense? So before I go further there, I want to spend a little bit of time just extrapolating this idea of the power of our creative calling. Right? So the ability that human beings have first to commune with God is remarkable. Every single thing about us is created for intimacy, right? Our eyes, our ears, our senses, our, you know, our nostril, our smell, our touch. We, we are created for communion with the Holy One. God formed us to walk and talk with us in a garden. He wants to be one with us, right? And out of that place of communion, what happens is the Spirit of God actually animates us. We become these living expressions of his nature. Though we have our unique, you know, our unique person, we become animated full of his spirit, right? And, you know, we're told to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus actually describes for us what that fruitfulness looks like and where it flows from, which is a verse I talk about all the time. John 15, right? Abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit right so fruitfulness when God says be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth be fruitful and go create these cities go create these things that are expressions of the kingdom of God the, this realm called heaven on earth what he's saying is abide in me just get so explosion out of you and as we commune the consequence of that is going to be this creative explosion out of you 
right? God will begin to fill us with his thoughts, with his wisdom, with what he sees, with his inspiration. And all of a sudden, we're just like so full that we begin creating things. We begin creating relationships. We begin creating families. We begin creating, you know, businesses. We begin creating tools. We begin creating things that we've been, we just begin creating, like, it is a marvel to me. One time I was bored out of my mind. I was driving to school in San Diego, and I had to drive through this huge, like, blotch of desert in Nevada. And as I'm driving, like, some F-16s just, boom, right over me, and my whole car's, like, shaking. And I was just sitting there. I was like, you put us on a raw, uncultivated planet, and we made those? <laughs> That's insane. We are so creative. Like, if you're like a caveman, you like bounce 2,000 years up, you're like, <laughs> right? Like, I think we lose the wonder sometime of how creative we are. It's amazing. But we're not just created to create good things, right? Morality is not like the height of Christian spirituality. We're actually formed and fashioned to create God things, right? We're told, create the kingdom of heaven on earth, right? We're, we're, we're to create things that are actually an expression of God. We're actually to produce these divine human creations that actually embrace the kingdom of God on earth, right? We're called to co-create the kingdom hand in hand with God. Co-create this city called the heavenly Jerusalem hand in hand with God, right? And this is, this is like incredible. This is the most amazing calling that we could ever get, right? Because everything that is created, it's, uh, you know, like, so think of Mary, right? The Virgin Mary, so she's a human being named Mary, and she's a 16-year-old Jewish girl, right? And so God overshadows her, and she gets pregnant with this person named Jesus that is fully God and yet looks like Mary. Whoa! This is insane. So Jesus gets birthed through her life, through her communion with God. Jesus gets birthed, and it's this divine human creation that transforms the course of human history. And genetically speaking, he looks like Mary. Maybe not genetically, I don't know, right? Because, you know, I don't want to get into all that. But he probably looked like her, right? He was a Jew. He didn't look like an African because he was birthed through Mary, the virgin girl who grew up in Bethlehem, right? So God, he's formed us uniquely with this very unique creative calling that the, the, the fruit, the consequence of us abiding with him are these creations in the earth that, that are an expression of us and an expression of him simultaneously, yeah. right? And every creation will always lead us to its source, if its source is self, if its source is me, it's actually an idol. We're not created to just create these moral good things because I can create morally good things. I can create morally bad things. But God has not made us to create good or bad things. He's created us to form God things. Things that when the expression, when things come out of our lives, people just stand there like, only God, only God could do, how, how? 
How? How your business? How is that working? How is your church growing? How how is your why is your art? It just it pulls me to it. How is your family? Your kids like they they know who they are. Are you following me? Well, the relationships in your life like what what do you guys do? There's something so dynamic. Are you following me? Right? God, only God. We're created to create God things. We are creators. We are formed in the image of God, the creator. And we have been given this ability to create things that are expressions of heaven. So God has a way of doing business. God has a way of raising kids. God has a way of doing government. God has a way of doing church. God has a way of doing everything in life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> He's a genius. And he knows how to do everything. So any situation, any circumstance, any workplace, any relational dynamic that you are experiencing, he knows how to do it. He knows how to create the culture of heaven on earth with our language, with our actions, with every movement that we do, dependent upon him, fruitfulness, kingdom creations, only God. Isn't that awesome? I could talk on that all night. No, I'm not. I'm going to switch gears. Because the hiccup is sin. Right? And it's very interesting. So we have this creative calling formed in the image of the creator, but the original sin is not an act of creativity. It's an act of consumption. Take and eat. Right? And it's not even so much just about the act, because uh, we, are, we do consume. We eat things. Eating is not bad. But what Satan does is he comes whispers to Eve. He says, hey, 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 you want to be like God? Take and eat. In other words, God's not creator first. To be God means you can consume at free will. You can consume anything you want. That's what it means to be like God. She gets deceived. She does it. Right? And you see this mindset, you see this battle that gets initiated because God created humans to be creator first, then consumer. Right? Consumer out of necessity. We need to eat, we need to do certain things. But we are creator first, then consumer. Satan switches it. No, no, no. You're consumer first, then creator. And, you know, just to take an example of where this manifests very clearly will be the idea of wealth. What does it mean to be wealthy? World's, the world's definition of wealth means you have a lot of money. You possess a lot. You, you can use that to consume anything you want. That's what it means to be wealthy. And that has such a lure upon us, right? But if you looked at the idea of wealth from the perspective of a creator... You would see it, oh, to be wealthy means to be generous. It means I can give and give and give and give and give. Are you following me? So this, this dichotomy is very present in the way that we live our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And so Satan wants to pervert our image of God, pervert our image of power, to think that to have power, to, be, to have wealth, to, have, to be like God means that you can consume anything you want whenever you want. you got the power to do that. That's going to make you happy. That's going to bring you fulfillment. It's not true. Not true. Jesus comes, the perfect expression of God, and he demonstrates, once again, the creativity of God. He's the most creative person ever walked the earth. 
And I find it particularly, I, uh, there's just like five examples, I'll just bulletproof uh, shotgun through here real quick, uh, that just really demonstrate this, that even in times of physical consumption, like eating or drinking, Jesus is still creating. So check it out. Uh, the wedding of Cana, it's a party. Everybody is consuming alcohol. And what does he do? He creates more wine. And the church has been trying to turn it back ever since. <laughs> and I don't drink alcohol, but I just think it's funny. So I can say that, I think. I'm not trying to justify anything. Uh, woman at the well. He's hungry. Disciples have gone for food. He's also thirsty. He goes to a well. But even there, in his thirst and his hunger and his tiredness, he creates this beautiful relationship with this woman who thinks she's this immoral, broken person. And he opens her eyes to see she's an evangelist. He's creating, even in times when you'd be prone to consume the fish and the loaves, everyone's hungry, he multiplies the food. The Passover meal, they're there for, to eat. We just took communion because he created this beautiful moment. He created this prophetic expression, this is my body, this is my blood. And then he gets a towel and kneels down and washes his feet of his disciples. He's always creating, creating relationship, creating divine moments, creating things that we're still reading 2,000 years later saying, only God, only God. Still talking about what Jesus did when he was hungry at the well. When I'm hungry at the well, it's like, oh, wow, he needs to get sanctified. <laughs> He's eating with the Pharisees, and he uses it as a moment to teach them. And they're whining about things, right? Jesus was creator first, then consumer. Following me? Okay, so there's some like theological, philosophical thought for you. I'm going to make this really real because this is really real to me. Uh, the last two, three months have been very difficult ones for me personally. I've been wrestling a lot with loneliness and feelings of emptiness. And I'm going through a lot of disillusionment and really trying to figure out, God, what is fulfillment? What is meaning? Because uh, it's not found in the ministry. It's not found in what I'm doing. I need a deeper revelation of what it means to live a life of meaning. I don't want to chase a carrot on a stick for 25 years to recognize I was chasing a carrot on a stick. That's not going to really satisfy. And i uh, been wrestling a lot. And uh, just recently, it was a couple weeks ago, I was having a very, very difficult day. Feeling so empty, I, do, I just could, did not know what to do with it. And I spent a lot of time in solitude. I spent a lot of time in prayer. You know, I, I preach this stuff. I try to live this stuff. And it's just like, God, like, ultimately, it's going to go away. And uh, I, I, throughout that day, there were multiple times that I just found myself. I don't even know how I got on it, but I was on Instagram scrolling. And about the second or third time it happened, just the thought flashed in my mind, what am I trying to feed myself with? And so I was smart enough to know, okay, I'm going to put the phone away and I'm going to disconnect. I got in my car and I drove. I spent an evening by myself just, just wrestling with God for like, wh where, what's going on? Like, I don't want this. I, I, where's the joy, God? And uh, through about two, three hours, I, eventually my, my loneliness, my emptiness turned to solitude. He gave me peace. He spoke like he always does when I embrace the invitation of loneliness, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me. So I did that. I said it. I got alone with the alone. And he said, you know, Jordan, I just want you to get rid of social media. That was the only thing that came from it uh, for, for the season. I said, okay. 
uh, and I, didn't know, I don't know how long that's going to be. It's, I haven't got it back. Uh, but I went home and I deleted social media. And uh, I believe that when God asks us to do things and we obey, it actually releases grace on our lives. We step into his blessing. And that's the best way I can describe it. So uh, I just woke up Tuesday and it was a different day. And I just began uh, to just experience this grace. And as I began processing, okay, Lord, what's going on? He spoke to me. And, you know, my mom preached a few weeks ago about, you know, we have these thoughts that are lodged in our subconscious. And it was as if, like, God just, boom, just yanked out this weed And said, you've been a consumer and you need to look at this. And I was like, whoa, this is convicting. (laughs) Um, And I started to recognize almost instantly and been pondering on ever since that the consumption habits that I have been ingrained to accept as normal are much deeper than I ever knew. I think I was aware from a, super, uh, from a superficial sense, oh, you don't want to be a consumer, you don't want to be a consumer, consumer Christianity, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it wasn't about the behaviors, it was getting into my thought processes of how I actually perceive life. And I begin to recognize that there are many habits that I have just adopted without much thought or intentionality that are very consumeristic in nature. And I'm just going to share a few um, that I've been uh, thinking on and then tell you kind of where the Lord's been speaking in the midst of that. Um, So let's just uh, see the real pulse of the room here. Who has stalked someone on Facebook before? Like a guy you think's cute, girl thinks you're cute, right? Who's done it? I've done it. I started to about that habit alone. I was like, I'm literally just consuming another person, and I'm not even connected to them in relationship. It's like, what is that? I just kind of thought that was normal, right? I started recognizing, like, my favorite lunch place uh, is uh, Mai Tai in, down here in Boise. It's like 12 bucks for all-you-can-eat sushi and pad thai, yada, yada. Anybody been there? <laughs> Who's going to go there this week then? Yeah. All right. Anyways, this is my favorite place, but it's a buffet, all-you-can-eat. And I have literally found that when I meet with a lot of people, but when I meet for people with meals, I, I actually internally am always wrestling with the distraction of when am I going to get more food? I want, <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's calling my name, right? And literally I found so many times that people will be talking to me. I'm so busy eating that I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, and I, like I've just been thinking, oh my gosh, like I literally am not even able to be with people because it's like the food kind of like it allures me in some way. Right? These are little things, but I'm leading to bigger things. Um, I started recognizing how, you know, who, uh, being honest, you've like got on your social media and seen how many likes you got. And then you actually like click it to see like who liked it. Because <laughs> they're my real friends. Right? <laughs> I've done it. Um, I, uh, we have the church website, um, you know, tracked, whatever, and so I, we, get, we get notifications of how many hits are on the podcast and such things. I found myself, I would, wa- I would look at that. Uh, I found myself, uh, you know, we get updates on the finances of the church, how much tithes are coming in. I found I would check that quite often. Um, I found also, just being full disclosure with you all, uh, I would find that I would emotionally be happier when church was bigger, and I would emotionally be not as happy when church was smaller. And I started having to look at all these string of emotional responses that I have to certain situations and recognizing, oh my gosh, every single one of those has one thing in common. I'm a consumer. I'm, I'm looking to be fed 
by all these things, and it's very distracting. It's very actually alluring and has a, has a grab on my affections. Does this make sense? So I'm sure some of you have listened. There's a man named Simon Sinek who did a talk maybe a year and a half ago. It kind of went viral on social media talking about social media. And it's clinically been shown and proven uh, that every time you get a text, every time you get an email, every time you look at anything like what I just described, you actually get a, physiologically speaking, a a shot of dopamine. Right? And uh, I've basically had to addict. Uh, an an acceptance in my own life that I am a dopamine addict and that society and our culture has actually trained me to be one and told me that that's okay. And what I begin to recognize is that this addiction, how it has played out is that it has stolen my presence from me because it ingrains within me this psychological response. I know the dopamine's there, but pretty soon it's going to go away. So where's the next hit coming from? So what it's stolen is my presence. So I can be with someone across from them, but I'm not fully present because I've still got to think, where is the next hit coming from? Does this make sense? So it has been very uh, uh, corrosive on relationships because it's got me on this kind of tailspin, on this, you know, I've got to always be going one step ahead of myself. Um, I've been writing a book for the last year on creativity, so this was not very comfortable to have to look at, wow, (laughs) I'm a consumer. I've been wired to be a consumer my whole life. And it's just these things getting pulled out of me. And so uh, this, this, this fight to be present, um, it makes it, or it makes it a fight for me to be present when I'm operating these behaviors. Right, so God told me, kick it out. I found that as I kicked all the stuff out, it was like I had a grace on me to actually be present with human beings. Right? And the words of Heidi Baker, which I'd heard a million times, I've heard her tell them right in front of my face, uh, was stop for the one. And I recognized that I had lost my ability to truly stop. And, and because I, ha- I, I ingrained and trained in my mind, because I would often, this just being honest, I would turn my alarm off in the morning, and then my next thing would be to look at Instagram. And so what I would do is I would set my intention first thing in the morning, I'm a consumer. I'm coming to get fed. Right? And it just would go on and go on. It's not that I didn't have times of giving. I did not have times of creativity. I did, but I had an intention. I had a division. I had a di- divided heart. Right? And... Uh, I was unable to fully stop for the one. And our highest call each day is to stop for the one in front of us and love them. That's the most creative thing that we can do with our time. Because when two human beings come together and they both choose to to give of themselves, right, is a creative act. I'm going to give you of my heart. You're going to give me of your heart. God breathes upon that, and a supernatural creation is formed, and it's called a relationship. That's a relationship built on love. It's eternal. But I found that I was missing these opportunities because I was not able to stop and give the greatest gift that I have for any human, which is my presence. I I didn't have it. I'd I'd forfeited my presence. And uh, I recognized I have um, missed out on immense beauty, meaning, and goodness 
in my life with my family probably most have suffered. The staff, I have failed in certain ways. And it's not, I don't feel a shame. I feel a sense of loss. Uh, and many other relationships, I have forfeited my highest call of being a creator because I bought in hook, line, sinker to this consumption mindset. And it's very uncomfortable to sit in that. And I am very much just on the journey of trying to discover, Lord, what is the prophetic way to engage in the world we live in? And what I mean by prophetic is Jesus knows how to engage with the world. Like, he, Jesus wouldn't be like, oh, Instagram's of the devil. Don't use it. Right? Jesus didn't come into the sociopolitical climate of uh, Israel and say, hey, uh, Rome's horrible. So uh, just, uh, you know, just, they just need to get kicked out of the country. He says, no, no, no. Yeah, I know they come and they abuse you um, emotionally and physically sometimes, and they make you carry their armor one mile, but this is what you can do. Carry it too. Right? He has prophetic responses to culture. Does that make sense? Right? So Jesus has prophetic responses for how we are to engage with social media, how we are to engage with, a, with an environment that is highly consumeristic. Right? How to be the church. This is our role. We have to be a prophetic foretaste of the kingdom. And a prophetic community will resonate with culture where they're saying, whoa, I feel home. And at the same time, it will have dissonance. It will challenge the culture. No, that's not the kingdom. You following me? So I am on a journey of trying to figure out how am I to engage with the culture that we live in in a way that is a prophetic message that the kingdom of God is coming. Because I want to be a creator. I don't want to forfeit my call. I don't want to forfeit the beauty and meaning that I'm called to create with the person right in front of me. And what I realized is that with Heidi's message, I've made it evangelistic. Oh, I gotta stop for the homeless. I gotta stop for the addict. I gotta stop for the orphan. I gotta stop for the broken people out there. And I started reflecting that the early church exploded in growth and it was actually highly exclusive. It wasn't putting pamphlets out on the newspapers, it wasn't advertising on billboards, come to our church. People were gravitating to it because they loved one another. And I realized, oh my gosh. I've got to love the person you're putting in front of me. I've got to be able to have my presence so that when you're in front of me, I can give you myself so I can be a creator with my language, with my love, with my story. We can share time and space in a way that God can create this supernatural thing called community. Amen. That will be the most gravitational force of the gospel that we can possibly uh, conjure up. And so, uh, you know, this weekend with retreat, uh, we basically, what, what time is it? I don't have technology. <laughs> what? Oh, okay, I'm good. I got time. Um, this retreat, this is what it was. We, we, uh, we embraced loneliness. We embraced solitude, and we spent uh, the first 12 hours in silence. Surprised them. Some people didn't like that. <laughs> And I said, you know, we will not have anything. I will not be able to give you of myself. I won't be able to love you unless I've been alone with the alone. Because we love because we first love. And so we embraced, sat, 
wrestled. Some people wrestled. Wow, you know, when you sit and really sit in silence, you've got to, like, sit with yourself. Then we went from there to this message. We've got to give our presence to one another. And I challenged people. I said, step away from social media and see what happens. And let's be present. We had about five hours in the afternoon. I said, let's be present with one another. Truly, give of yourself to every person that you find yourself in front of for the next five hours. Right, so we did that. We came back into worship. And honest to God, we hadn't done one note on the guitar. And the joy of the Lord exploded in that place in a, in a way I have never personally experienced. And it was as if God was saying, you see, Jordan? You're creators. You can create joy. You can create the kingdom. You can create it all if you'll just be alone with the alone and present with the person in front of you with a heart to love. All right? And we did other things as well, so I'm not going to try to go at all of it. But the point is, uh, we are so powerful. We have, a, <laughs> we have this creative capacity that is beyond what we can even imagine, truly. God is brooding. The spirit of God is still brooding over the earth. It's this creative vibration, and he's looking for the ones that are willing to say, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to get in sync with you, and I'm going to let you start vibrating through me and creating love everywhere I go, creating community. Create, like God has the wisdom for every circumstance you could ever face. God has the answer. God has the creation. Sometimes it looks like a word. Sometimes it looks like our language. Sometimes it looks like an action. Sometimes it looks like it can look like anything, but it is creative. We are not passive bystanders watching life happen to us. We can always be creating with God. That's what he does. Right? And the prophetic, I'll close with this. The prophetic word is so, uh, is so vital to this process because our words become worlds. That's what Chris Vallison says. Life and death is in the tongue. And so the most creative, like this is our, that's our paintbrush. It's our paintbrush. Every word we speak can exude life, can exude death. Right? Uh, in James, I believe it says that our speech is to be seasoned with salt, uh, or with grace, as if salt. Right? And salt creates thirstiness. So the way that we speak can actually create an environment where there is an attraction to Jesus, right? We can speak his words. We can create this culture with our actions. Like, it's, there's no limitation to what this can look like. There is no job situation without the, beyond the reach of God. And so uh, I'm just going to close and pray. I don't really know where else to go. I feel like that's it. <laughs> but I want us to, to just, um, I just want you to stand up. And I'm just going to pray. I, I, I really feel, I had a number of conversations with the Lord this weekend and and with others, and I feel like God is really setting us apart and marking us of, with creativity and redeeming it in our midst. And I was reading, and uh, I believe it's 
I can't remember which chapter in Exodus, but it's where the Spirit of God comes upon a man named Bezalel with wisdom, understanding, knowledge uh, to create artistic things. And we have dumbed down creativity to where it means, you know, oh, I'm not good at art. That is not creativity. We are called to create the kingdom of God hand in hand with God. And so, Lord, I just, uh, I just ask, God, that even tonight you mark us as your people. God, we just cry out for the spirit of wisdom and creativity, the Holy Spirit of God, to fall upon us as your people. And I ask, God, that you will loose the creative force of your spirit through us, God. I pray, God, that you will, you will tear down and uproot the consumption mindsets that have plagued and infected the, the church, God, that have infected my mind, that have infected so many minds, and that we will truly come into a full redemption of this creative mandate that you put upon our lives to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth, God. You are building a, a, a heavenly Jerusalem. You're building a city that exudes with righteousness, and we want to be co-creators bringing that city down here to Boise, Idaho, God. We want to create businesses. We want to create families. We want to create nonprofits. We want to create legislation and educational models and solutions that are going to exude the wisdom and the righteousness of God into every single sphere of this of this city God of this valley we want to be the head and not the tail we are tired God of, of being relegated to copying culture and consuming what culture's feeding us blindly God we are ready to step up and take this by the horns and say yes God we're ready to fill the earth with your righteousness we are ready to empty of self so that we can be full of your spirit and live lives of creative explosions that just only God, only God, only God. I, I prophesy over this house, only God. I prophesy over your lives, only God. I prophesy over your parenting, only God. Over your businesses, only God. Over your education, your students, your kids, only God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the power that you want to release through us. God, we thank you that you are, we don't, we're not just sitting and waiting for revival to come. Lord, you're wanting to create revival through your people. So God, we say here we are. Use us. Use these imaginations. Use our faith. Use our, use our minds, God. Use our bodies. Use our love, God. Use our presence. We want to give it all to you so that you can breathe upon it, Holy Spirit. We ask for that hovering, that vibrating force of God to fill us, God. Start vibrating in us, vibrating in our minds, vibrating in our hearts, God. Stirring us, stirring over the waters of our soul, God, so that you can begin to create through us the kingdom of God so that we can see the transformation that we're longing to see on earth as it is in heaven, God. I thank you that there are nations in this room. God, that there are people. You're being set apart, Lord. There's a missionary explosion that's going to come forth from this house. I see it, God. I see people being sent across the world. I see people being raised up and sent, God. And we thank you for the missionaries, God, that you're going to send forth carrying a mantle of creativity, Lord, that they're going to do missions in a new way. I see it 
it's a new way and there's missionaries, you're in the room right now and God's speaking to you that you're going to do missions in a new way where it's going to be financially self-sustaining and you're going to create models of business and you're going to merge business and, and, uh, and ministry together in a way that the poor missionary that's always needing to raise support is not going to, it's going to be a thing of the past. There's a new wineskin being created and it's going to, and it's going to enable, it's going to enable long lasting transformation. It's going to enable uh, the raising up of local leadership and it's going to have longevity that we have not yet seen. So Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. God, this is, that's just the start. That's just the start. You're speaking. That's just the start, God. You're raising up an army of creativity, God, that is equipped with the wisdom of God that will manifest victory in every circumstance that we abide in, God. So we just thank you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. And we bless your holy name tonight.